Good morning. Today I'm very happy to introduce our speaker, Greg Denny. Greg came to BZC, I believe, in the mid-90s, and he served as Zendo manager as well as working on some important building projects. He met his wife, Marie Hopper, at BZC, and they have two teenage sons. He's also led a Dharma group for at least 15 years. He was Shuso in 2005 and received lay entrustment in 2010. And he is now our buildings and grounds manager. So welcome, Greg, and thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks. Thank you, Karen. If you, if you didn't already detect, I haven't done this for a while. Um, it's a lot different. So I want to take it all in, actually, because uh, I haven't sat here for a while. I haven't sat here uh, since Sojin died. So I haven't sat here since the pandemic. I mean, in this seat. Um, a lot less people than I remember. And then this, you know, I sit, in, I'm in the IT world. So I sit in front of a computer all day, every day. So for the work week, you know, have this year. Yikes. <laughs> um, so I thank you, Karen, for asking me uh, to do this talk. I really feel uh, privileged and honored to be able to do it. Um, Karen asked me to talk about right view, right understanding. And I'm going to do my best to do that. Um, so we have the, so the chant at the beginning is an unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect Dharma, rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million Kalpas, having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept. I vow to taste the truth of the Dharma, of the Tathagata's words. Um, after that, I always feel like I shouldn't say anything at all, actually. That would be the only way to actually fulfill that. Um, so I wanna talk about right view, right understanding um, in a kind of Mahayana way, maybe, as a koan. Um, that, and I believe it's in the reading from Thich Nhat Hanh, that right view is no view. Um, the absence of view. And that's kind of how I want to approach it and discuss it. Um, so there's one, one way to look at that is 
within the realm of practice of zazen itself. And that is that the activity of zazen is to, um, shikantaza is to sit and watch your thoughts, watch your views, um, watch the stuff that goes across your mind and not identify, not attach to it. So that's in the essence of our activity, of our zazen activity, uh, that's kind of practicing right view or no view. Um, but I think there's a more holistic way too um, to understand that. Um, so to, for me, and everything I'm gonna say is my experience. I wanna preface that. Um, I'll try to say I instead of we. Sometimes I'll fail maybe, like we or, this is uh, my understanding and my practice and my understanding of right view or no view. Um, for me, practice is quite, it, it's a very, it's simple, but it's very radical. Um, so when, when I say or when I think, believe that right view is no view, um, like I said, there's the practice of zazen and letting go of you, but there's also kind of an attitudinal uh, aspect to it. And that is that a kind of radical, radical for me, humility. Um, to take and practice with, so Thich Nhat Hanh in that, in that, uh, in the reading, he says, it's not only that they're not to have no views, he says that all views are false. Now that we can experience that as a practice or think that should be my practice, I use we. I can experience that as what I should be doing. But to hold on to and to believe, and actually I do believe this, that that's true, that all my views are false, are contingent. They arise in the moment, but I really don't know what the hell is going on. Um, and the world is a mystery and awesome and ultimately daunting. And that I am at a loss, <clears throat> fundamentally, almost every moment. And that is the, that is the ground of my life. And that practice, right view, is to start from there, moment after moment. And it's hard. It's hard. 
But for me, that is the true way to practice and to live. So, you know, we come from Suzuki Roshi's lineage and he wrote a whole book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. I think it's about that. Right view as no view or beginner's view, not knowing, not knowing. I mean, there's a chapter, so I think there's it's three sections, right, the book? And the last section is right is entirely devoted to right view. And there's one, uh, there's one talk where he says, well, what, what do you believe? What should one believe in then? And he says, you should believe in nothing. Same, same message. Um, so again, so, so for me, there's sitting on the cushion and practicing that as shikantaza. And we have so many pointers for that, right? There's mu, that's mu, right? There's think not thinking. And then like I, I'm trying to describe, there's the, the way in which um, and it's, it's like Zazen or Zazen more holistically about how we live is to carry that attitude or that modality or that right view is not an answer, right? It's a question or it's not even a question. It's, it's being in the realm of not knowing that life at every moment is a question and a koan. And that, you know, there's that koan in the Mumankan, right? Man in a tree. You're, you're in a tree and you're biting the branch and someone comes to you and asks, why did Bodhidharma come and preach the Dharma? And, and if you answer, you die. You fall from the tree and die. And there is no answer, right? <laughs> the, the, the point, the practice isn't the answer, although we have to answer at every moment. We have to enter false view or the, our best effort at meeting the moment. But the starting point is actually in the tree, in the question. In the, in the modality of not knowing. There's a, 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 I'm remembering there's the other, it's a koan and a mumankan too. Is it tokosan and ryotan? Tokosan and ryotan. It's the one where tokosan is a student and he's talking to ryotan. If I have the names wrong, someone can correct me. Um, and I think that they're talking about the Dharma and Tokusan has very sort of uh, discursive uh, scripture, sutra understanding of the Dharma. And he's talking to Ryutan through the night and they're, they're having Dharma discussion and, and it's a really good discussion. And, uh, and Ryutan says, well, Tokusan, you can go now or Tokusan says, I have to go. 
and he looks outside and it's, they've been talking so long, it's pitch dark and, and Toko-san says, well, I can't, I can't see, I need a lamp. So they, they light a lamp so that Toko-san can go back to where he's staying, I guess. And uh, right when he leaves, Ryotan blows out the lamp. And at that moment, Toko-san is enlightened. I love that story because it, for me, it captures um, what I'm trying to describe. It's that moment of blowing out the light. We have to, that's every moment of practice where we start. Um, I remember, um, I kind of remember when I first came into Zendo and went to a lecture and, and um, what I was maybe looking for or thinking about or what my concerns are, why I was here. And I think I was looking for an answer or answers. And I definitely, you know, the first noble truth is solid, right? Life is hard, suffering maybe, you know, I don't want to get caught up in the exact words, but, you know, I felt it. Life is hard. It's not easy. It's not freaking easy. And I was also, uh, you know, I was dealing with some grief around some things, but I also was, um, I, I was tired of myself. I was tired of my shit, my stuff, right? my person, my version of suffering. And I thought, I maybe I thought, I think I kind of thought that I practice or, or in that Sojin had an answer, that Shakyamuni had an answer, an answer, and that they, they didn't, they found a way, teachers, Pema children, whoever, they found a way, they got to a place where they didn't have to deal with their stuff, right? But I, I don't think that's true, right? We all have our stuff. And we're all dealing with each other and each other's stuff, right? And practice. And so, and our stuff actually is, or my stuff, I'm using we again. Um, my stuff is, is the model is the apparatus that I created, you know, partly by choice, but kind of arose to deal with my suffering from a very early on, and it, it kind of augmented, but I think it starts really early. That that my psyche, my consciousness, myself, um, came up with both consciously and unconsciously as the answer, right? As the way to deal with suffering, as an answer. Now, it's not like a, not like my stuff is all that um, logical a lot of the time. You know, it's our, my neurotic, my neurotic self, right? Um, what was I? Oh, and I think when I first, like, 
entered the Zendo and entered practice, and I think about Shakyamuni, right? Well, he, he didn't have that. <laughs> but he, he, was just a, he was just a dude, he was a person, he was a human being. And I'm sure some people, you know, hanging around with him sometimes, oh, Shakyamuni, just stop it for a second, you're doing your thing again, or something like that, right? We all have it, right? I think it's really important for me to, to remember that and to understand that as opposed to um, thinking that he had it all right. And, and you know, part of me, the reason why I quoted the, uh, the chant that we do at the beginning of this, right, is it's kind of like makes you, you enter the Zendo and you hear that chant and everything's very, I don't know, put together, right? <laughs> so like, I'm gonna be like that, right? If there's a place to get to where there's an answer, but it's a bait and switch, really. It's a bait and switch because the, the answer is no answer. The view, yeah. And to, to sort of, not just sit with it, but to live with that moment to moment. Um, I think Trumpa, so in Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, there's a chapter um, I think it's like the third chapter or something where he, he has his own sort of um, metaphor for describing the self or what I guess we would call Suzuki Roshi lineage, the small self, right? The Greg that's um, has come up with this answer, which is, like I said, it's developed over time as a, a neurotic apparatus um, to try to deal with my suffering. Um, and his metaphor is that it's a, it's a house with a monkey inside. And that you can only see things as a monkey, right? One can only see things as a mon this monkey in this house, and this house has an architecture, right? And it's got its own windows and weird places and rooms and whatnot. Um, but that, that this, is, this is our mind, our small self, as a monkey in a house trying to deal with life. Um, and this, this seems quite, quite important to me as sort of the essential, struggle of, of my own dealing with my own views, my own habit mind and proclivities that put me in a place of suffering as a so and that bring me out of uh living i guess so so it took me a long time uh to experience this, but to understand 
that practice that this understanding of there's other terms for it, like but taking the backward step is that dove into right that to constantly let go of any idea about agency control and then seeing what happens, seeing who, who I am then. As Suzuki Roshi also says, like, when Zen is Zen, then you are you. That my, that, and it's another koan, that my true self, my authentic self, you know, is, arises when I have no idea of who I want to be or should be. And so that this my, myself, the true self, the big self, or not big self, but uh, authentic self, is only discoverable. It's not constructed. It's discoverable as Buddha or the universe arising in the moment and moment after moment of letting, of my letting go of all views, preconceptions, and responding as spontaneously and vulnerable, vulnerable a bit, vulnerably? Yeah, I said it right. Uh, as I can. It's scary. It's hard. <clears throat> Um, and I, one other sort of feeling tone or, or, or dichotomy that it brings up for me is um, is when I'm able to do that and experience the myself, the world, Buddha, life, the universe, in that way, that's when I feel alive, actually. There's, and, but when, but so much of my life, I haven't felt that way. I, I wouldn't, I haven't felt alive because it was that other self. It was the self of the monkey in the house, right? That was trying to, and tries to manage my suffering from that neurotic apparatus. Um, there's another koan with this though too, right? For me, is that, so we, there's this kind of narrative in Zen, you know, you let go of your story, right? Let go of your neurotic, you, you know, you know, I have this suffering because this happened to me and whatnot. And, um, but it's really bit, well, several things I want to say about this. 
because I have a story about my suffering and always have and always will, doesn't mean that I don't explore, contemplate and investigate and understand it. Because that's, that's is still my life. Um, and I, I'm, I don't, my, what I want to say about this is hard to express and articulate. Um, the people, you know, I love so many people in this room. I love my family, you know, the love that I experience with people. It's not just because of when I feel alive and I feel like I'm not sort of um, identifying or operating with my neurotic self. It's because I'm struggling with my neurotic self with my loved ones. And what am I trying to say? Um, our stuff is important. It's what, it's what ties us together too. You know, the love that my wife gives me and the support is because she can see my stuff and knows it really well, and she can help me with it. And it's precious, actually. And it's, it's, you can't, it's like you can't, you can't get rid of it. So that's a con too, is that practice so much of right view that I'm trying to describe is to not operate from those places. But at the same time, that's what we do and have done more or less. And that my connections with everyone, with Sangha, with you, with my family are, are bound with that and, and necessarily bound with that. And so I think, you know, my relationship with myself, there's a kind of, um, it's a koan again, or a dance between the, the way in which um, I'm not quite sure, sure how to put it. Is that when I'm dealing with both parts of me, there's more millions of parts of me. This is like saving all sentient. This is saving all sentient beings. Is that in dealing with myself and others, is having a relationship with both the small self of everyone, but also feeling that strand or that connection to their their authentic self, one's authentic self, and how the, the, the connection is always operating on both levels in a way. And so that, for me, saving all sentient beings feels like empowering or, or, or maintaining that connection with the authentic self, but also being with 
with the one who's got the stuff, right? And being aware of both always at the same time. And so that, and this is enlightenment and delusion too, right? This is, I mean, just like authentic self and, and neurotic self, this is the form and emptiness or absolute and relative, right? It's hard to talk about this stuff. It's very, I love talking about it. Um, So we we go to eleven fifteen. Uh, that's the hard stop. Uh, often lectures uh, end around eleven. There's time for questions, but there's a lot of uh, yeah. Sure. Fun. Okay. I just want to make sure we I leave time to talk. Um, so. I mean, one other thing I, I guess I wanted to talk about a bit that relates to this is um, I think the song is talking a bit about diversity and and whatnot, and I think that this, this what I'm trying to talk about relates to that in some way that. that um, for me, the practice is, is, tr is trying to cultivate in myself my Buddha expression, my individual, and, and I think everyone has, well, we all, individual, individualism is like a dirty word now, um, but that we're all, it's the moon and the dewdrop. We're all dewdrops and reflecting the moon, we're doing that even right now. This is all happening. We're co-creating this moment. Um, I'd like our Sangha and I'd like our practice to be as much as possible cultivating and empowering everyone's individuality and uniqueness. I, I guess, you know, sometimes it used to feel to me that coming here um, and being here I didn't, I, I never, I, I sometimes, sometimes didn't feel um, like I could express myself, that there were cues that, um, and, and I think there's truth in this, that, that, that we want, um, you know, part of practice is, is, subordinating oneself 
like getting over oneself, right? That inauthentic neurotic self. But I wouldn't want to, you know, that practice and sort of being aware of my neurotic self. I don't want it to um, detract from people having the uh, permission and the, I don't know, the, the empowerment of expressing their, you know, their alive self, alive self. And um, so I, I would, I look forward to us contemplating um, forms. The forms to me, you know, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, you know, the forms to me are skillful means, right? And I think it's good to have conversations about how skillful they are and recognize that even with our own practice and our own forms, it's really healthy to do what I was describing is to let go of our views and take the backward step and start from scratch, even sort of as a, as a, as a thought experiment, as a communal thought experiment and ask like, are we serving the nourishment of our, of everyone's authentic self. And I, I look forward to having discussions about that with people. And I, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, all right, so we're approaching 11 o'clock. Um, I feel like I said, said most of what I wanted to say. Um, does anybody have comments or questions or? We're going to look at the computer online and maybe people there as well. Okay. Virtual hands. I'll try to do that. <laughs> um, so I have Lori and Ron in the room and then I'll focus on the out there. <laughs> I'll try to figure out who has questions next after Lori and Ron. Go ahead, Ron. I think you got your hand up first. Um, thank you, Gary. Yeah. I, I, I like the tone of your talk a lot. It's a, it was a, a, a psychological type talk, which I think is a good, good way to go. Um, early on, I was concerned that you were just going to be come down on the side of not knowing. But then you shifted and you included the knowing side too, which I felt, and that's right. And so I would call that non-dualism, really, which is, it gets to be a stereotype word in Zen, but non-dualism in its best respect is just that kind of what you're talking about. And you mentioned several koans. The one that you mentioned where the two monks are talking all night and having a great conversation, and then they, he lights a match, leads the other guy outside, and then right when they get outside, he blows it out. Mm -hmm. 
I saw that from a different perspective based on your bringing it up like that, that what made him so-called enlightened or have an enlightenment experience or realization was that he was, he was in the light and then he was out of the light. And it was a combination of both of them that worked. If it had just been dark all the time, it wouldn't have worked. But he was, first of all, he lit the match and then they blew it out. So he saw both sides dramatically, <laughs> sensually. So, well, thank you. So, what do you think knowing is for yourself, as opposed well, to that? But my mind is always churning out about what I'm considering and what I should be doing. I see. Uh, my my cognitive process, uh -huh. actually, and it's definitely very necessary, but that's not all there is. But, there, but that's when we get strung out on that. But that's that's what I see is in my uh, knowing side. Okay. Laurie, did you have a question? Um, I what popped into my mind, and I wondered what you thought about this, is when you talked about the neurotic apparatus, like in a certain way, that that's just a collection of views. Right. That's right. It, like views about right. what you're saying for I mean and their views they're embedded in your body somehow. They're not like super mental always. Absolutely. That's what I meant to say, actually. Yeah, yeah which is interesting. And also just to add that, you know, it's tr I like what you said about how we love each other within the context of our delusions and subsets. And also we hurt each other within that. And and some people are hurting I mean, then that can get, and that can go to an extreme. I mean, you're not a neurotic apparatus can take you to an extreme of harming. So it's not just, um, it needs to be metabolized somehow, you know? Absolutely. Which is not easy. And one of the things that, worry, that I worry about is that, I mean, practice is one continuous mistake. Right? Is that, that's Dogen, right? And so, as a community in a Sangha, so all of us practicing continuously making <laughs> mistakes. And so, to do it together, it's, there's going to be some suffering, there's going to be some messiness. And I, I've historically worried uh, for myself and in the community about fear of messiness and fear of our mistakes. Um, and and that, that, that sometimes has pushed us into views that um, I should say constrain our our potential, constrain our potential, and that. It, but you know, it's not like I have an answer because the place of not knowing. Which, I mean, for me, Ron, knowing is what happens after not knowing or what arises. Um, and so you can't know unless you don't know. And so if we don't allow ourselves to not know, we're never going to know, right? We're never going to discover what wisdom might arise in the places of fear and 
risk um, messiness. Uh, Andrea? Yeah, thank you, Greg. It's wonderful to have you in the Zendo and speak to you, and I really appreciated a lot of what you said. I just wanted what you just said now, I thought was so important this whole process that we're embarking on, on seeing more deeply into what our unconscious biases are and how we make connection and how we prevent connection. It's messy. Yeah. And there are times when we're going to mess up and it's going to feel uncomfortable. And the only impediment to going deeper and transforming or becoming more open is our fear of messing up. And our fear of how we'll be seen. I was wondering if you have any comments on that in terms of this. Well, I do think it is. Could you repeat the question? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> the question is um, how our fear of um, as for the Sangha, the fear of um, hurting, our, being hurt or hurting constrains us from dealing with and processing um, relationships, events, situations, difficulties. Um, and I, you know, I agree with that hundred percent. And I, I would, you know, I think you stressed that we, the, the fear of being hurt, but I would also stress the fear of hurting, which comes right. That's, we want to be good. We want, this is why we're here, right? We want to practice precepts and whatnot and, and be kind. And, um, but sometimes that can be a hindrance or a can a constraint and I don't like I said I don't have an answer but um, I, th I do think that that being open to messiness being open to emotionally more demonstrative uh, modalities um, and conflict that that we that is really important. Um, I mean, we're good Buddhists. We don't like conflict, right? But you know, I go back to you know the, the kind of a core thing around my relationship with practice and my history with practice is, and I've already said it, right? Is there is life is meant life is messy now in this day and age you lost your mind how then we probably died but we can but hear you, you and they can yeah hear you everyone can hear me so i can take this off right well yeah right Speak why what happens take it off and i'll fix it everything uh, we, can, we can hear you fine, and you have three people online. Okay. Um, 
Look, life, I mean, we live in a crazy freaking world, right? It's not neat. It's not neat. And it's, it's overwhelming. Um, I don't want to hide in my practice. I mean, I have wanted to, I guess, historically. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, that's not being alive for me. Uh, there's. Oh, go ahead. So yeah. Hosan has a question too. So I'll maybe I'll. How do I get these? I gotta click more. You don't the, have to do anything. They'll just you call on them. Just call on whom you want, and they speak. They unmute. But who who has a question out there? Oh, the hands. The hands. Uh, Kurt. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Kurt. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you uh, so much for uh, a really uh, wonderful talk. And uh, and the I really appreciate the difficulty of talking about these things. Like you were saying, how hard it is to get you to be able to communicate it because you're communicating something that is kind of beyond conceptualization. So it kind of being with that idea of right view is no view, it, it brought up for me this feeling that no view is a view. So no view includes a view. And that that really what will what I'm trying to do is include everything. Right. And that monkey in the room is okay. Right. And you right. you alluded to that. Like that's the stuff of your life. The fighting with your wife and then making up and loving your kids and 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 being anxious. And so it isn't for me, I'm I'm feeling that what I'm wanting to do is include more, not separate or move things away. And it's a little bit, I think Ron touched on that with you know the delusion and enlightenment that 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 that's kind of a dualism too that you can get I can get caught in like oh no I'm being neurotic well yeah I am being neurotic enter there you know it's okay it's that's what I'm I'm kind of trying to open to and to other people's neuroses as well right it's, yeah it is sort of having that so I'm wondering about that I mean you kind of does that make sense this oh absolutely not having a view you know it's all included we're including more not removing right not yeah absolutely it reminds me of like the shin shin means about this right you think the first line is like the only the only uh it's not difficult as long as you don't that's right pick and choose yeah that's right but 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 that's picking and choosing right yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. This but is the same thing that. you said about it. no view is is a view, right? Yeah. So it's the koan. Yeah. yeah. Um. And Jim, you're next. Uh, he's on mute. Do I unmute him? No, no, it's me. Sorry about that. Thank you very much for your your rich talk. Um, I feel like uh, the questions and discussion so far have perhaps answered my question, but again, you're dealing with this gap between view and no view. 
and it is hard to capture in language. But at one point you use the uh, phrase stories about ourselves, uh -huh. um, which is a view about our, our suffering, our life. And I wondered um, about the evolution of one's story uh, through practice. And if you had anything to say about that. I mean, how our story changes over time? Yeah, does our story change through practice? Is there benefit and is it just including more in our story? I don't, I don't want to give away the it answer. It could be a bit of both. I mean, look, my feeling is we can't, we, we're innately, intrinsically storytellers to ourselves and others, right? We can't understand our life. I can't, I said we, I can't understand my life without a story. And so granted, you know, there's some components or aspect of practice is letting go of my story, but that's still part of, I mean, that's what I do. That's what we do. It's, it's fundamental. And so my experience is that my story does change. It evolves, but that to always hold the remind the practice reminder that is it is a view. It is a view. I mean that this is why it's so hard to talk about because again it's operating that that necessarily unavoidably I'm always operating both ways as you know within the story delusion and hopefully with practice some kind of ground some kind of um practice of take consistently moment to moment taking the backward step and and being on the ground of no story of no view and that Every moment is both. It is a koan, right? It's like, um, and we, I mean, I can have that experience in Zazen, right? All the time, if we're seeing where they'll meet or where the line is, or, you know, it's kind of like the five ranks that they, they're both happening. And my relationship or the, the sort of, uh, re, uh, Dance between the two is always happening every moment. Um, Sue. Hi, Greg. Hi. You're talking about such essential, deep things. I really thank you so much. And one of the things that interests me a lot that I'm curious what you think about that I've always wondered about is you were talking about the authentic self and the neurotic self as kind of two sides. Um, but also about, yeah, you know, when you are you, Zen is Zen. And, and the idea that even though we don't have a fixed self, don't we have a particular self that's different from all the other selves? Maybe it's changing, but it's particular. It's like the Gregness of you or like when my two kids were born before they'd gotten socialized to anything in the first 24 hours they were already different particular people that I could see somehow inherently that was there so what does it mean to say um you know that Buddha nature is um you know that we that we don't have this 
we don't have a fixed self. We don't, and that our authentic self is when we remove all these kind of impediments. And also people used to say sometimes, well, when practicing Zen is like coming into the Sangha and having all the, being in a stone tumbler and having all the corners of your, like a rough stone, you get all smoothed out and the corners get rubbed off by the practice, which sounds good. But on the other hand, what about that stone with all the, the crystal, with all the different shapes and corners? Do we really want to get rid of the corners? Right. So, so how does that fit in with what you're saying? Or, or, or what do you think about that? Oh, that, I, that makes, makes a lot of sense. and aligns with what I, I've been trying to say. Is, um, I didn't think you were contradicting that at all, but how do we fit that in somehow to what our practices teach and what the teaching says about no, no, no separate self or no fixed well, no, self? So, but everyone's no separate self. So we'd like to, so we'd like to think that like big mind, there's no separation, right? But everyone's big mind is their own even, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that even that, even the, any expression or understanding, or I, I can't even find the words, experience of Buddha, one, whatever, unity, is completely individual. Mm-hmm. Right? We all have our own. We can't exchange that. It's like what Uchiyama is like, we can't exchange a fart. We can't even exchange a Buddha. Um, And so I think even our most, you know, these words, they trap us, trap me. Even our most enlightened, authentic, I don't know, actualized expression is completely 100% individual. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that's like Gute's finger, right? That's why Gute cut off, cut off his student's finger because the that's right. his student didn't understand that. There's all. Oh, he yeah. couldn't be Gute. He had to be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ross has got the. Put your hands Oh. Cool.